0: This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the Cult Classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present-day viewing, and hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, FWWQuantumLeapPod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, hello everybody
1: Hello, welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel We are here this week to discuss a tale of two sweeties
0: It is one of our favorite episodes here (laughs) You know know whose favorite episode this was? At, uh, At LeapCon 93, Dean Stockwell listed this as one of his favorite episodes
1: you know it's funny that you would say that, and I could totally see that because one of the things that I made note of a couple of times throughout the course of the episode is how on point Al is throughout the whole episode. Mm-hmm. like this seems to be the moments that Stockwell has in particular like this is his type of fare and and he and he does it so well um, that he's nearly the saving grace of an otherwise mess of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting your feelings out there early on well yeah i i look I'm not gonna have a lot of great stuff to say about the first like half, but I do think that the second half is is much better than the first half of the episode uh it just makes for kind of a wildly uneven episode and i and i I have so many questions you know it's like I wish I could like ask robin bernheim and and chris hibbler like what like what what were you guys thinking like what what about this was, you know, drove you to make this choice either in the writing or the directing? Um because some of it to me just doesn't quite, I don't know, it doesn't quite compute. Um I don't know. We'll 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 certainly we'll certainly get into that. But before we do, we're recording this on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Sam. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dennis. Happy Father's Day to any of the fathers out there listening. Um We've we've just come off uh, a string of episodes where Sam becomes a father. He sees
0: this. He sees. Yeah. (laughs) Sam becomes a father. He saw his father in the last one. And now he's right. And now he's a father again in this one. And boy. Oh, boy. Oh, howdy. Man. Is he is he a father? Yeah.
1: Well, well. Right. A father times six.
0: To to paraphrase a line from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he may be a father. (laughs) But he's not a daddy.
1: No, he ain't your daddy. Oh Oh um, Marty. Oh Marty. Yeah. Oh Marty. yeah. Um, so so shall we shall we dive in here? Let's let's
0: dive on in here. Of course, we are talking about a tale of two sweeties February
1: 25th directed 1958. Oh, go ahead. Yes, sorry. I hopped I hopped ahead of you. Um, directed by Christopher Hibbler. Uh, who, who is someone that we have seen before um, directing um, Temptation Eyes and Starlight Star Bright. Uh, this is not his final episode, uh, although we are in like the final, We're in the final 11 stretch. episodes yeah. now. Um, yeah, after this one we'll have 10 left to go. Uh, he will also direct Goodbye Norma Jean uh, this season. Um, And then Robin Jill Bernheim, who we have spoken about before, um, has quite a lengthy career um, as both a producer, writer, and director. Um, She had written uh, Leaping of the Shrew and Deliver Us from Evil. She will go on to write uh, Dr. Ruth and Memphis Melody after this. Um, You know, uh, like... Not not the strongest writer in Quantum
0: Leap history. You know, here I'm going I'm, uh, I'm to go back to what I said early on in the season when I decided to stop making fun of the theme song every week. Quantum Leap, <laughs> Quantum Leap was transitioning into something into something new in the fifth season. They were obviously they were uh, struggling with a change of personnel. They were struggling with budget cuts, uh, being moved around on the schedule. They were struggling. With a lot, it's easy to 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 uh, to drag these episodes because the series was canceled at the end of the season, obviously. Yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, not sure where I was going with that. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be kind. No, and I appreciate that. And I wonder. This is this is a genuine question, and I and I and I don't. I feel as though it's going to come off poorly, um, but. it is is a question I have because knowing the episodes that she has written and will write for Quantum Leap I I wonder how much of the writing she did was done to please and this is not I'm not strictly throwing this on Don Belisario was written to please male producers oh sure because as a woman she writes scripts that have women in them but those women are often written in a way that I would almost expect a, a misogynist to write. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're, they're, like, there are some strong choices that get made, but the way that they're written is just not at all what I would expect. And so I would be interested to, to, to see how her writing has evolved because it feels very stereotypical, you know, 80s television female as far as the way that the characters are written. Sure. Um, and of course, I mean, we, we and, don't and, and know, I, like,
0: she gets the writing credit, but how much does... Right. You know, does Don does Belisario and other male producers on the show, like, how much do they influence the writing and drop moments in, you know, throughout the, the production process?
1: Right. And, the, you know, and the other question then also you have to ask is, like, how much of that is also the actor... You know the, the 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 words on the page may end up coming off a certain way just due to the vessel uh, sure. that is that is relaying them, um, and that might also have something to do with the director. So it's not fair to put it all on her feet, but it is. I don't know. It's just a question that I had. Uh, this episode aired on January fifth, nineteen ninety-three. The very first episode of the year, nineteen ninety-three, which is also the final year that Quantum Leap will air. Uh, our leap date, as Dennis had mentioned, is February 25th, 1958. Sam has leapt into Marty Elroy, and we are in Pompano Beach, Florida. Yes, we are. Let's jump into the TV Guide description. TV Guide description.
0: Sam's a bigamist <laughs> with only even odds that he'll make the right choice between his two wives and families whose futures are riding. Uh, in other countries, what was this episode known as? Uh, of course, we're, as always, we're reading out of uh, Matt Dale's incomparable uh, Beyond the Mirror Image. Um, this is where we're getting this information out of. He's also, you know, we're talking about writing of the, the script. We'll get into a little bit on this particular episode. Like, he has a lot of details on how the script evolved throughout the, uh, throughout the process. But anyway, yeah. In, in other countries, in Germany, this episode was known as Two is Not Better. In France it was okay. known as A Husband for Two huh. And in Italy It was called There's No Two Without Three Jeez, Italy,
1: spoilers <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, Oh god, oh god. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Oh, we're, we're starting to hit the point where there's a, there's a certain trope that Quantum Leap falls a little bit too much on Anyway um, But we'll get into that So yes uh, so Sam has left into Marty. He is a big in this. We learned very quickly from this, uh, from the initial deep end, in that he has two wives, two sets of families. One coming to land at the airport in uh, in Pompano Beach, and the other one coming to greet him. And we just got to set up for. Uh, this entire episode is kind of like 1950s farce, almost kind of like a, a some some like it hot kind of farce. I said that last night while Betsy and I were watching, it, and she was like, "You're being very kind," and I'm like, "Yes,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." But I mean, you're, you're you're absolutely right, and so is she. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's yeah, I, yeah. You know the 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 setup from from the get go, like the whole leap in. Um, you know, gives us what we need to know. And one of the things, unfortunately, that I feel like it also gives us that we need to know is that this is going to be a fairly forced, ham-fisted episode on so many levels. From some of the forced comedic lines, like one-liners and innuendo and, dear God, that accent... Um, I, from from Ellen, uh, Mary Lou Childs, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just it's not it's not a great setup. The other thing that happens is after we come back from the credits, and Al pops in, we get some delightful moments with Al, and Sam, and Jessica, the one of Marty's daughters. Um. That really is kind of a great summation of the entire episode because that's how the episode feels. Ham-fisted, forced comedic one-liners and innuendo, and then some great moments with Al and the kids. And that's that's kind of how I feel about this episode.
0: <laughs> that is, a, and, and I'm also coming it from, uh, just the other day, uh, I finally watched watching... All the way through the first time, the first three seasons of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Fourth season is coming out sometime. Mm, in, mm. Fourth season is coming out sometime in the future, uh, but it's delayed due to coronavirus, obviously. And I bring it up in comparison to this episode. Uh, if, you, if you've never seen the show, you should definitely go check it out. It's an Amazon, Amazon original. It starts off, takes place in late 1950s, and by this point in the series, it's like in the 1960s. It is very much a comedy, and it has a very theatrical, farcical feel to it in a lot of ways. They they do the comedy. They do the dialogue, and they do the physical bits so well in that show that I feel like that's what this episode of Quantum Leap was going for, kind of in that style of very theatrical... You know, 19, 1950s comedies, kind of in the vein of like *Some Like It Not Like I said, it's just uh, when you're when you're producing for television on a budget and a quick shooting schedule. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just have to throw out there real quick that sh- I love that show so much, and she is so good. Both of them are so good. Uh, but I just want to throw a quick shout out also to Luke Kirby, who plays Lenny Bruce. He is so fucking phenomenal in that show. I it is like he is crafting a, a legitimately a towering performance in television history, as far as I'm concerned. Like that's how good he is.
0: He is. <laughs> it's funny? So uh, <laughs> Betsy's seen it all the way through once, and she's like rewatching the show with me right now. But somewhere at the end of the first season, uh, where where Lenny has a prominent role in like two or three episodes, I can't remember. What exactly I said that indicated that Lenny Bruce was a real person, but Betsy was like, Lenny, Lenny Bruce is a real person. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lenny Bruce was a real person.
1: Anyway, it's, you know, it, it just, it's, a, it's just one more quick tangent, but uh, also, you know, in comparison, like the one of the reasons why I think the writing in stand up holds up well. You can draw a nice parallel to Mrs. Mazel because the actual comedic bits on stage in stand up work really well. And that is also true of Mrs. Mazel. Um Whereas, like, there are other shows that have been made where, you know, or, or, or films that have, like, stand-up comedy or, or some sort of sketch comedy in them, and the bits don't hold up very well. Um, you know, like Studio 60, which I actually really like that show, but there's no denying that the sketches in the fake Saturday Night Live-esque show that are on there are pretty fucking terrible. And and, and, and that's not a part of the show. They're supposed to be good, and most of the time they're not. Sure, yeah. um but, but, yeah, I think that, like, the writing in stand-up um, which is another sort of like screwball, you know, comedy-esque sort of episode um, that that is, you know, sort of a progenitor of some of those 50s type films like you're talking about. Uh, is written well and 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 the stand up does work there whereas here in a tale of two sweeties you know it's it's there's no stand up granted but but the comedy bits I feel like don't usually work as well although there is one comedic moment in this episode uh and, and string of dialogue that is phenomenal and I think the reason why it works it has so much to do with Dean Stockwell and Scott Bakula um but we'll we'll get there Sure sure let's get there so, Anything else you want to say about those opening scenes <laughs> Um
0: it, it, it's it's very hard to root for Sam's mission. And I get like, so the mission is, it's the, the TV guy description lays it out. He is there to pick one family or the other. And Ziggy, all she can provide is that it's a 50-50 chance. That's it. That's the plot. Until, until we get yeah. to the subplot, if it turns out that Marty owes $2,000 to some bookies and we'll get to that later on it it is very hard to get on board with this episode and to care about uh, and to care about this character because they just pounded into your head so much what a shit heel Marty is
1: he's a terrible person, a terrible father obviously, a terrible husband obviously But just a terrible person, terrible human in general. I mean, he can't have have a conversation with one of his sons
0: without his son thinking that he's hitting him up for money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, And I I really think... uh, I always forget when I watch this episode, which is not often, that Jessica can see Al and can see Mm -hmm. Sam... And I think that's a saving grace of the episode that we have, like, some kind of
1: moment of genuine connection with the kids
0: in the episode, in a
1: way. Yeah. And I feel like, too, after a string of episodes where Al has some good scenes, doesn't necessarily have a lot to do, though. You know, in in this episode, he gets a lot to do. Mm -hmm. um, Because I feel like in... uh, in Promised Land, in, in Trilogy, um... You know, these last four episodes that we've had... He's, he gets some good scenes... But he doesn't necessarily have a lot to do... And and in this episode, that's, that's certainly not true... Um... Yeah, I, I... You know, a few of my... <laughs> a few of my early remarks... Um... Had to do with the amount of lipstick on Sam's face... Um... The Jessica seeing Al, which I thought was, was really great, and then, of course, also seeing through um, to Sam, uh, that horrible Brooklyn accent. Uh, it's not horrible, it's just inconsistent. Sure. Um, and, that, and, that, and that, frankly, you know, the, the thing is, I, I just, I feel bad for saying this, but I think there's a reason why Mary Lou Child's IMDb is fairly short. She's like she's like the community theater actor that's wandered into a professional theater production. It's not that she's bad. <laughs> wow. It's just that she's kind of amateurish. No, no, and you, it really shows. Which which one in is, the hairdresser scene? Which one
0: is the one from Brooklyn? Ellen. Can, Ellen is the one from Brooklyn. Okay, I switched them around. I don't know. To me, Ellen's I, anyway. The names they, they feel like they should have been switched around. I don't know. That's where I'm getting.
1: Confused. I agree.
0: But, yes. um, uh, Here's the thing. We've talked about this before with other guest stars in other episodes. Not having seen her in anything else, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Which would be hard to do because there's only three other credits on IMDb for her, so. Sure. Yeah. 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 She just didn't do it for me in this episode. Um, (laughs) But... But yeah, I mean, Marty is just a horrible human being, and it is hard to invest in, in the leap. So right off the bat, you have a shitty premise and a shitty character that Sam has leapt into. And so right away, I'm not attached. I'm just not. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think the idea to have him leap into a bigamist and have to choose between his two wives is... It's not endearing. Um, someone must have thought it was inventive, and it would be funny, but so much of the, like, none of the funny parts of this episode really have to do with that, except for the one scene with Al, um, l- later on, I think, in the in the hairdresser scene, mm-hmm. uh, but then he ruins it all by the homophobic uh, yuck that he utters. And it's just sort of like, eh, okay. Uh, but that's you know that's 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 that could be chalked up to a modern sensibility by someone who wants to just you know excuse it, which is fine. I, I don't know, man. God damn it, this episode. <laughs> hey,
0: if you're listening and you genuinely enjoyed this episode, one, we're sorry.
1: Two, reach out, uh,
0: <laughs> defend the episode. Tell you, me why. Tell us. Uh, I mean, let's talk about some some bits. I, I do think worked. let 's uh to the movie theater scene where where Sam works out with movie Night with both families of switching back and forth between the two I, I, I do think this scene this is one of those i do think the like the scene works like trying to jump back and forth between the two and the comedy of uh, the the kid sees him with the snacks that are meant for the other family and he has them bring back for the other family and like like the jumping back and forth between the two. I do think that was genuinely uh, well done, if for no other reason. When we were watching the episode last night, Betsy made the comment. She was like, oh, my, like, like, this is giving me anxiety. Like, wh- like watching the scene, like watching Sam, like trying to juggle between the two and not letting the two families discover each other. So uh, the the this theater scene, it kind of works for me. Uh, and including, like, when the, when the bookies yeah. show up, because, like, then, like, the bookies actually add like, some different kind of stakes to the episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, as a, as a small counterpoint, for me, it was a little too muddy. It was too busy. There was too much noise. I don't just mean, you know, in an auditory sense. It, 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 it wasn't... I, I come from a school of thought that is not everyone's school of thought, so I admit that right off the bat that scenes like this should be very crisp and very clean because that's the that's how the comedic bits work and with the exception of the scene with um Josh uh when he's talking with Josh in the lobby I felt like it's not very clean Mm -hmm. um there's just there's just it's just a little too messy and on one hand it yes it's supposed to be messy it's a messy situation um but I don't know it it just to me what it felt like is that this was a scene with a lot of potential um that because of the limited time frame that they were working in didn't get to the point where it probably could have been because I felt like you had talented actors in place to pull it off on every level but that it just wasn't as clean maybe as as it could have been and because of that it um it didn't quite, I don't know, it just didn't quite, uh, it didn't work as well as it could have for me. I liked moments of it, but as a whole, um, sure. I don't know. It just felt, like I said, it just felt like noise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say you could put that in like in between
1: the performances, but also probably how they shot it
0: as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, you're on a you know limited budget. They were actually on location in a movie theater somewhere in downtown L.A. So yeah, all of the limitations. But again, this was for uh, a piece of episodic television that no one thought that 30 years later, two guys would be sitting at home podcasting about it.
1: Right, right. I, I will say that the the conceit of the scene mm-hmm. is is great, and I and I and I think that. Uh, it's one of the few setups in the episode that I am, that I'm completely behind. Uh, I just, I, I just, I guess I wasn't completely satisfied.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, should we talk about the bookies? Should we talk about Larry Minetti? Let's do it. Larry Minetti. I, um, I have only seen bits and pieces of Magnum P.I. in my childhood. Have you, are you more well versed in the ways, in the ways of Magnum? i
1: you know, I feel similar to you. I, I, I've, I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. Uh, but I've not seen every episode. I'm not, you know... I, 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 There are certainly folks out there that would be more of an expert than I. Um, but his, you know, character... Um, Orville Rick Wright. Right, yeah, yeah. Rick. Uh, is, uh, I mean, is... Uh, mostly functions as comedic relief. Sure. Uh, um, you, you know, is kind of the the buddy that you have that um, is always looking for an angle mm-hmm. you know but he's gonna have your back um, and uh, you know he's, he's he's an essential piece of that particular puzzle and the fabric of that show there's no doubt mm-hmm.
0: sure um, so if you're catching up we didn't fully explain that uh, the actor who uh, who plays the bookie Vic uh, my internet is being super slow today uh Larry Minetti. He was on 158 episodes of Magnum PI, which we all know here. At Project One Loop was another Don Belisario production, uh, so it was a nice excuse to to bring to bring someone back. And uh, yeah, yeah, and he is just uh, I, I like I like Vic as a character. He's fun.
1: Yes, I, I I agree. I think with the, the the role, the actor, the dialogue, the scenes that he's in, it, it all works. There's no doubt about it. And and I think that, you know, he is clearly the type of actor uh, that you could just kind of put where you need him and he's going to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the like you're talking about with the episodic television schedule and budget and all that sort of stuff. Like he's a guy that he's a guy that you can rely on. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, y- yeah, even the scene later on in the hotel room, you know, with when they're, when they're betting on the horse race and everything, uh, works so well because of Larry Minetti as Vic. Yeah. Um, he, it's, a, he's almost like one of those people that I was just sort of like wish was in the episode a little bit more. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I,
0: uh, I had forgotten like the whole, like little, like the little, Detail about his character that he has this artistic side that he just wants to express. Maybe one day, do you think I could be a painter? Hey, Uh, I like that bit. There is one of his lines in the first scene that jumped me as really weird. Uh, He talks about, because Marty owes him $2,000. And in the context of the scene at one point, he says, what a coincidence. That's what you owe us, $2,000. And it doesn't, like the way he says, what a coincidence, it doesn't make sense. It's a weird line. But then looking in Matt's book, it's because there was a moment cut out of the scene where going into the, the artistic side of it, um, there was a line in that first scene in the stairwell where Marty explains how his mom told him he should have been an oboe player because oboe players can make $2,000 a night play, which leads into what a coincidence that's what you owe us. Two thousand dollars, and that's why that scene is weird because there was a cut line in that scene, and it further explains like his desire to be more an artistic side. He missed his calling. He could have been an artist, but he is just he is just, <laughs> he is just a simple bookie. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I when things like that happen, you, you know, you are always kind of left scratching your heads uh, because, the, the you know, it happens in films as well. Not not as often these days, I feel like, uh, you know, with, with bigger budgets and, and longer shooting schedules and stuff. But, uh, you know, recently I was watching an older film and the uh, one of the versions uh, of the film had been cut by like 22 minutes. And um, I, I was watching the complete version, but like as I was watching it, uh you know i just thought to myself i was like how could the film survive without these scenes and of course it didn't you know but but um it is always interesting to 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 see how that takes effect and sometimes it's not even in a case where a scene has been cut but like you're saying like just you know a piece of dialogue or the script or something like that has been modified Mm -hmm. and you hack out some lines and leave others in and, and you lose some of the context absolutely so, uh, so yeah, we get the stakes out of that
0: scene. Sam has to come up with two thousand dollars by tomorrow night. We come out of the theater scene. Uh, Sam has, uh, I'm not gonna say a great line. It's a line. Um, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, but two women scorned, something to that effect. Um, even though we don't, yeah. we don't see it. This would have been a, a funny scene to see, like a, at least a moment of. But Alex or Sam explains by way of voiceover that both of his wives were so mad at him. Even though he had two wives and two homes, he ended up sleeping on a park bench. Yeah. Overnight. Uh, which leads to the next scene of him making his way home and having uh, another heart-to-heart with his son, played by Michael Belisario, who, who we have seen on the show before in the episode of Kamikaze Kid. Uh, he's one of the kids at the kids' table uh, at the wedding, or at the wedding rehearsal, I should say, in Kamikaze Kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have another heart-to-heart scene where we are just reminded of what a what a what a shit Marty is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it it, it it's be uh, it's just so hard to care about this mission because of who sam is and sam has leapt into deplorable people before but there's usually been a noble purpose behind it and i don't feel like choosing between one of his families is a noble purpose i feel like what sam does in the end is noble and that is why we care about sam but i don't care about the mission and because i don't care about the mission it's just hard for me to be invested in the episode and i know that they think that the 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 comedy is working and that you know but but so much of it is just like lowest common denominator stuff Mm -hmm. you know earlier in the episode i'm reminded of the moment when sam says he's got to go to the bathroom and jessica goes in there first and then you know sam's like oh i'll use the bathroom in here and his wife is like you know make sure you open the window when you're done and i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) like did we really just have a poop smell joke on quantum leap like i'm not saying there's not a place for it but come on
0: i i think we did and correct me if I'm wrong and correct us if we're wrong listeners. I think this may be the only I mean other than I'm, I'm not counting the jokes about like Sam always having to go to the bathroom to cover up the fact that he's talking to Al because that's a different kind of humor. Uh, yeah. The only other time I can think of a, of, of a bathroom humor joke and this one actually works and we talked about it is in the episode stand up where him and Bob Saget have the heart to heart in the bathroom and they both start to walk yeah. out, and then Bob Sag is like, "Oh, wait! I came in here for a reason." Like that works. That's funny. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, and I just you know I just realized some things, so I want to do that. I want to get this out of the way as soon as possible. Uh, uh but I, I mixed up the the two wives. Imagine that. Um, and the actors. Um, Jill Tracy is actually the one. Uh, that plays Rachel, who is the the one from Brooklyn. um, That's what I thought. Has had a lengthy, lengthy career uh, and has has absolutely done some other work um, that is very good. Uh, (laughs) She's just not great in this episode. Whereas Mary Lou Childs, who plays Ellen, who is very good in this episode, has not done a whole lot other than this episode. So uh, I apologize immensely for the screw-up. It was completely my own... Um, I I do stand by my comments about the actor and the role uh, from earlier, but but not the context surrounding it. So um, sorry about that that, That's that okay. mistake. Um, but the but but the, you know, let's go back to the kids for a second because um, you have uh, Marty Junior, who's played like you said by Don Belisario's son Michael, um, and he's fine. He's fine. But you also have not Josh. Much to do, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. Then you have Josh, uh, who's portrayed by uh, J.D. Daniels, uh, who some might recognize from numerous things, including playing Peter in The Mighty Ducks. Um, But uh, he's really good in this, actually. Um, And I really like the interactions that he has with, uh, with Sam. Because if ever there was a case of seeing, like, the child be the parent to you know to their parent mm-hmm. it, this is clearly one of those cases and he pulls it off so well um, even as Sam's being a dirtbag and he thinks that and well Sam's not being a dirtbag really what it is is that you know Josh is reacting to Marty's previous dirtbaggery and trying to you know give him money and you know just tell him like what he needs to do leave his mom alone you know leave mom for a while just give her space like all this sort of stuff and it's it works so well, uh, and I think mostly because of him. Now, simultaneously, it also reminds us of what a horrible person Marty Elroy is. Sure. Which, again, is just, you know, something I struggle with. Now, of course, there's also Jessica, who's played by Ashley Pelden, um, who, who's had also a fairly lengthy career uh, post-Quantum um, Leap and, 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 you know, aged out of being a child actor. Uh, one of the things that I recognized her from... Was that a few years after Quantum Leap, she would play the young Miss Parker in The Pretender. Um, The Pretender uh, TV show on NBC with Michael Weiss um, and Andrea Parker had a lot of flashback scenes Mm -hmm. of of when they were younger at the center. And so she played the young Miss Parker um, and was quite good. Um, in that as well and she's good here she's you know she 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 fits the role so well and the interactions she has with Al in particular the, the runaway scene um, are, are highlights of the episode as far as I'm concerned I would agree with that I never saw The Pretender I was told that it was very akin to Quantum Leap
0: would you agree yes, with that?
1: yes absolutely I would because one of the big conceits, especially in the first two seasons, it starts to change a little bit later on, um, is that he, uh, this hyper-intelligent young man, um, has been used for years by this organization called The Center, um, you know, basically like solving mysteries, um, all sorts of weird diabolical reasons. There's, there's some, Question as to whether or not he was involved in the Kennedy assassination, like all sorts of crazy stuff. Anyway, he escapes uh, as an adult, and um, he basically, like something like The Fugitive crossed with Quantum Leap, works really well because he would go to a town. He would pretend to be someone like you know this week he is pretending to be a coast guard worker and you know he, he's forged all his documents his background etc and he had a mission and his mission would be to solve like some mystery and generally it was a murder or a robbery or something like that and um so yeah each episode he would be in a different location you know different guest actors uh he would be taking on a different role having you know his own mission it was very very similar to quantum leap in that respect the the way that it was not similar to quantum leap obviously it took place all in like present time 1997 1998 99 uh and the other thing that it did really well and was fairly inventive for that time uh on network major network television because there weren't a lot of shows doing this is it kind of took a page from the x-files book where you had a running storyline like myth arc basically underneath all of this having to do with him wanting to find out what happened to his parents who he really was um you know what he had done you know why they had used him the way that he did, it, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it's a good show; it's worth checking out. It's hard to come by. It's not; it's not available on streaming, unfortunately. Okay.
0: I mean, I at the time that it was on, I had someone
1: tell me that it was a little bit like quantum leap in that regard, of like
0: everything that you just said. But uh, yeah, I'll check. Yeah. I'll check it out sometime if I if I could check it out. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, as far as a modern show, while we're on a tangent here, close to quantum leap, I. I've tried to get in the show a couple times and I haven't been able to. Is a person of interest. Mm, hmm. Um,
1: I've seen the first couple episodes.
0: It's one of those. Yeah, one day I'll go back. I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, my dad liked it. Yeah. I know my dad really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I never, I never watched it. Yeah, I
0: like all the actors concerned, but, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. so Sam goes. He has the the heart to heart with his. Uh, son. And it's at this point he is starting to hatch his plan, but he is not going to tell Al what his plan is. Because right now we, we still know it's, it's a 50-50 shot between between Ellen or Rachel. And then we get into one yeah. of the sequences in the episode that I actually think really works. And it's in the hotel with Ellen and Rachel and Sam yeah. almost running into the both of them. Maybe worth noting, uh, this was shot in the same hotel that they used for Miss Deep South. <laughs> if any of that looks familiar. And also, according to Matt's book, uh, they also used the hotel. The hotel doubled as the airport terminal <laughs> in this episode as well.
1: That's great. So yeah,
0: they uh, they get a lot of use out of the hotel in this episode. Um, and so yeah, I, I really... What I liked about this sequence was as they're walking down the hall are the repeated bits, and I think like the comedic bits of actually work of uh, all the different things that Sam does to cover up the fact that he's having a conversation with Al walking down the hall. There's this string of people who walk past him. You know, He sneezes, he does a thing, he does a thing, he does this, he does that. Um, I thought that bit actually worked. And then the whole bit of Ziggy Mahaling going crazy uh, and telling Sam to get the hell away from the window because he's about to get spotted by the both of them. That intercut with the dialogue between Rachel and Ellen, actually I think it's, some, it's like one of the best scenes of the episode of them talking about their husbands and getting into gambling and how, thank God, neither one of their husbands gamble. How do, how do you word that when they're bigamous? Uh... You know what I mean, (laughs) that their husbands (laughs) don't gamble uh, and trying to to save face and cover that up. I I enjoy the sequence.
1: I agree completely. This is this is where the episode started to really turn for me. Um, basically, after he sleeps on the, the the bench and has the scenes with the sons, and and then the the beauty parlor scene, I, I thought the episode really took a great turn. Before this, I was struggling with it big time. I, I had my issues. I was not enjoying it, and this really turned a lot of that around. I think the interaction between the two uh, women is great. You know, I, I again I kind of stand by the comment about like it feels like the actors are are working maybe on slightly different levels Um, uh, Jill Tracy feels fairly surface level to me, in this episode, but again, I guess her 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 character is such a character, so maybe that's okay. Uh, whereas Mary Lou Childs, I feel like is 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 a little bit more honest in her portrayal uh, of Ellen. Um, but the scene, as a whole, regardless of the, the of that criticism, works really well, and I I think that the dialogue is great. Um, their repartee is fantastic. Uh, the stuff between Sam and Al is great. Al popping in between them is fantastic like when Al is listening to them and commenting and you know that that bit is fantastic we do get the homophobic moment which the thing is is i feel like the reveal especially for you know if you put yourself and contextualize it in 1958 the reveal is shocking and 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 has some sort of comedic value especially because of the dialogue the beats the you know the way that the dialogue is is, is going ping ponging back and forth you know oh that uh, you know he was with another woman no it was another man it's a great like bam unfortunately the button is is is, is then kind of undercut by Al's yuck and, and yes contextualizing it in 2020 terms like it's like god damn it Al why are you such a homophobe but even going beyond that just a critical analysis of the script and the dialogue and the way that it works in that particular scene I feel like Al's yuck shouldn't be the button anyway the button should be he was with another man bomb as opposed to he was with another man yuck it's like it doesn't work comedically it's uh, the timing is off and it just and it's not a good button for the scene um so so even beyond our 2020 context just going back to 1993 if i'm a critic and i'm watching the scene i'm saying like oh yeah the it falls flat because the button doesn't work because it gets undercut with a yuck um, which apparently wasn't in the script uh, and, and Matt wonders if it was oh, an ad-lib well,
0: uh, he said at one point yeah I think he said at one point it, it was in the script and then it got taken out but then it wound up being in the performance I think so okay. maybe it was something okay. that that, uh, that Stockwall ad-lib but also I mean you can look at it a lot of different ways we do know that Al is is a touch homophobic because uh, the events of Running right. for Honor I mean, not even that. I mean, just the typical, you know, mindset of the time, of even mid to late 90s. Yeah. Uh, right. That would that would make sense. And also, in defense of, like, Dean Stockwell, who, like, they may have shot this scene three or four times, and he, he may have tried three or four different things. Like, the yuck could have been an, and, an improvisation in one take. And actors, right. they, they don't have the choice. To decide like what take they end up using,
1: you know. I totally agree. I I feel like it's just the the thing that's too bad about it is just again looking at it purely from like a script analysis way, and then and then and then looking at the scene and the way that it plays out. It just it feels like at that particular point, Al. And that line of dialogue are superfluous to the to the repartee between the two wives. Mm-hmm. It's like he's been really great. He's been really great. He's been really great. But now it's almost like the writer decided to gild the lily. So it's like y- y- you have a scene that works really well. It's the difference between two cigars and three cigars. You know, it's like the. It, 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 I had an acting teacher who told me about a. Uh, uh, a scene that he was working on with an actor, and the actor was supposed to come into the room with a cigar in his mouth. And so the first time he did it, he came in and he had a cigar, and 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 everybody thought that it was really, you know, it was fine, it worked. He came in the, the next time just having a little fun, and he had two cigars in his mouth, and everybody lost it, thought it was hilarious. Well, then the next time he did it, he came in and he had three cigars, and everybody thought it was fucking terrible and stupid because he he had he had gotten the reaction, and he decided to take it a little further than it needed to go, and to me that's what the end of this scene feels like. Sure. It just feels like it you know got to two cigars, and then they did the third cigar and it didn't work. That said, when Al pops out of the beauty parlor and has the scene with Sam and Sam lets him know that he knows what he's going to do, their scene is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The dialogue and the back and forth of the, the you know the tennis match that they have there works so perfectly, and it's just a wonderful example of two actors who have been working together for you know the better part of 5 years and 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 are so in sync with one another and have some nice dialogue and it just it, I, I think it works beautifully and i really like that moment so again first half of this episode not so much second half things are really starting to come together come
0: together <laughs> now i ask you this we've seen this in a previous episode how do you feel about al and sam being able to hear each other through the telephone To me, it doesn't make sense. Because if, one... I mean, overall, if Al is a neurological hologram,
1: how does that work? I guess what I would say to that, which then makes you wonder if Sam can hear Al no matter where he is, like, I would think that if Al is just in the imaging chamber... Which is, we take it as just as, you know, like... Imagine it like the holodeck in Star Trek. It's a finite amount of space, and yet, because of the way it works, it is able to be, like, just a world. Uh A world in a small room. Uh, And so he... He's in this finite amount of space, tuned in specifically to Sam. I mean, truthfully, it doesn't make any sense that he would be able to go and observe anything else that wasn't in Sam like to me it, it makes more sense that Sam could hear Al and it makes less sense that Al all this time has been able to pop into different places and different locations where Sam is not that's fair like shouldn't he really only be able to experience the past through Sam's eyes and not just be able to pop into places where Sam isn't
0: that is perfectly fair
1: now obviously it doesn't work for the plot I'm willing to give into the conceit and suspend my disbelief it's fine <laughs> sure. it works fine whatever but yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, and so now we get where Sam uh, runs in again to Marty or not Marty, uh, uh, Vic and Gus. And yes. even though he technically has a few more hours, we have a plot. We got a plot to move along here. Uh, and Vic is like, "Oh, I already give you a grace period. Anyway, let's go. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go pay the piper. We're gonna break some thumbs. And uh, they go into a hell." Uh, to one of the rooms in the hotel to take care of some business, and there's a horse race. We get a discussion
1: between Sam and Al about getting information from Ziggy. Uh, I love the way that I love the way that Sam does this too. Mm-hmm. I love how he picks up the phone, makes the call, and like Big Al. Yeah, I love I love that. I really do. Yeah. I think it's. The funny thing is, I'm surprised we haven't seen more things like that. Sure. Like, it took us to s- till the back half of season five to get this scene, you know? <laughs> I know. That's what
0: I was thinking last night as we watching that, too. Yeah. Um, so he gets inventive in that. And so basically, Sam wants to cheat history or break the, the, the Project Quantum Leap rules. <laughs> to me, I don't think this is breaking the Project Quantum Leap rules, though. Because he's not. Neither do I. Because he's not doing it to benefit. Sam Beckett or Al Calabici he's doing it to get the leapy out of a bind and he's not doing it for any more money than what he owes right you know he's not
1: pulling a biff yeah exactly I thought the same same exact thing
0: you know uh, interesting his name is Marty in this episode Um, (laughs) so yeah but he uh, lead balloon that's the that's the horse he ends up betting on um, Forty to one shot. Yeah, but this is an, uh, but this is uh, intercut with the fact that Jessica has decided to run away from home, and we get one of the strongest scenes in the episode of Al going to talk Jessica out of running away from home.
1: Yeah, and again, I think that this episode, I, like, I understand, even though I will come out saying that I don't like this episode on, on, on a whole, even though it would probably go towards the bottom of the pack for me. Out of the ninety some episodes that we have of Quantum Leap, I absolutely understand why Stockwell likes this episode so much. Because for Dean Stockwell and for the character of Al, I think it is a it is a wonderful episode, and it's a very complete episode. He's got a lot of comedic moments, obviously, but he also gets this nice tender moment that kind of goes into Al's own past a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I also love that it does it in a way that doesn't involve some of the emotional torture if you will that we've had before in you know like in um uh obviously mia um or uh, oh i'm blanking now um but when he talks about his sister oh, um, jimmy. in, in yeah. other episodes that sort of stuff so, yeah jimmy geez why couldn't i think of jimmy um and uh and so i, I really like this scene a lot and i think that it, it again I understand why Stockwell would like this episode so much because I feel like for Al, it, it really is a very strong episode for you know, the actor to kind of dive into, chew into, and have a lot of really great moments. Yeah, and have a lot of fun.
0: And also, I forgot to bring this up. Yeah,
1: fun, fun, all, exactly.
0: All of, his, all of his outfits in this episode are on point. We talked about how last episode Jean Pierre was not there because he was off. He was off <laughs> shooting a movie. He comes back and he makes up for it. And then some because Al wears three different outfits in this episode, and they are just all on point.
1: Yeah, well, and and one of the things too that I that I even thought early on is that in general the production values for the episode are actually fairly high, and most of that really is due to the costumes. Mm-hmm. Like the costumes in this episode are, are on point, and and you know Jean Pierre was earning his. Uh, earning his keep on this one. He was, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we get back just on a lark
0: with no help from Ziggy at all. Sam makes a lucky bet uh, with the few dollars he has in his pocket and a $50 loan from Vic. Lead balloon pulls it out and he pays off the money. I, I do want to jump back. and do say when he's trying to talk Vic into making him the loan, Vic is hesitant to do it and Sam plays on his show me that soft artistic side yeah I I, I love that that Sam goes back and he he gets that to pay off
1: one thing that I did wonder and and I, I think that there's multiple explanations for it is that Vic seems to be very upset that the horse is not winning the race and all I could think is why is Vic upset about this because he's not out anything he just loaned Sam like three fifty so that he could bet the fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. So like he's gonna be out three dollars and fifty cents and have to break Marty's thumbs. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm thinking like, does Vic is the the soft artistic Vic not want to break Marty's thumbs? Is that why, or is it, or is it some sort of like just you know the bookie wants to see the the, the horse come in? I don't know. It it. it, it it Was just an interesting reaction I felt like for Vic to have.
0: I do, I and uh, there, there is the moment where he's like, I'm gonna, uh, where he turns to guests, he goes, I'm gonna go out and get some air while you, uh, and he and he does like the thumb motion thingy. I'm like, i think yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, uh, as much as we shit on the first half of this episode, the last half, it's got some, it's got some right? solid moments.
1: Yeah. I agree. I I totally agree. I mean, that's one of the things I I said to you before we even started recording. Is like, first half not so much, second half.
0: Second half, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, So the horse obviously comes in, it wins, he gets the money. Sam throws his arms around Vic. Uh, There's there's a funny moment which can either be taken to further the homophobic moment that we had earlier with Al's yuck, or it could just be one of those moments where it's just like, don't hug me, like we're not friends. (laughs) Oh sure, sure. Like I'm your bookie, you know. Like you could take it either way. Yeah, I, I, I well, mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you yeah, don't, do. yeah,
0: don't. Yeah, don't. Don't invade my personal space.
1: You right. Know, right. Consent. Consent. Um, ask to hug me. Consent. Yes. Yes. And 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 uh, then give me a hug. Man, you could have a hell of an argument over both of these women not having actually been able to give their consent to Marty in any way whatsoever because of the lies that Marty is perpetrating by his bigamy. Oh. Because wouldn't you? Because wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have to basically make the same argument that we have made against Sam in the past—that the women are not able to give consent because they don't really know who he is? So these women don't really know who Marty is, clearly, because he's you know lying to them. Sure. I mean, you you would you would have to think that like. Anyway, I mean, we it's a larger discussion for another. Oh time. Oh God, we
0: could go down a huge, huge, huge rabbit hole. Yeah,
1: um. I do want to go back to the Al and Jessica scene just briefly. Uh, I, I I just love the the way that even in this one scene he is able to be very tender, but also very funny. You know, mm-hmm. like the the his sense of humor shines through, and it could be this extra maudlin kind of moment almost. And instead, Stockwell it has this beautiful way of of, of playing the scene not only in a very sincere, heartfelt manner, but also with a sense of humor, and, and it just elevates the, the proceedings a, a great deal, in my opinion.
0: Uh, I agree with that. I do think one minor quibble overall with the storyline. I think Jessica seems a little bit too old to be able to see Sam. Uh, yeah. Especially, oh man, this is a rabbit hole, I wasn't going to go down. But like the reason why kids are supposed to be able to see Sam and Al the way they are is they have an innocence to them, as established in another mother, and I think if you're Marty's kid, your innocence has kind of been shot early on. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, but that's that's another thing. For another time. Um, so we get.
1: We also get a. Uh... A great moment at the very end of the horse race scene, where Al sticks his face through the TV set yeah. to announce that, like, you know, bet on the forty to one shot. Yeah, it's also even weird. Like, like he, his face just doesn't come through, but like the the TV screen almost
0: does like this weird kind of morph thing as his yeah. face breaks through. I don't know. It was a it was a little bit more of a sophisticated hologram moment than than uh, than what we've seen. But hey
1: yeah it is interesting too because it is just an isolated part of his body it's not like he's walking through the tv set it's literally just his face coming through the tv screen mm-hmm. it's like is ziggy like somehow breaking into the broadcast and, and like shoving al's face into it but only sam can see it i don't know hmm. it's an interesting special effect choice Ooh, yes they probably didn't think that much about it we're probably thinking more about it than they we
0: probably yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the last scene and we get the reveal of, of Sam making his choice, and his choice is uh, neither one, basically. Or really to tell them the yeah. truth and let the chips fall where they may. And he brings Ellen yeah. and Rachel together. And yeah.
1: You get the real sense that, based on his comment to Al, that this is exactly how he expected things to go, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he like he, he even says at one point, this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. Um, that they, they find out... They, they're both in denial at first, which is kind of amusing. Um, you know, Rachel's, like, grabbing his arm, kissing him, you know, saying, no, he's my husband, we're going to dinner. Alan is kind of saying, like, no, he's my husband, you must be mistaken. You must She has this... Horribly innocent, naive line where it's like, "I'm sorry, you must be mistaking him for someone else." It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Ellen, yeah, <laughs> you sweet summer child." Mm-hmm. Um, but like they, they they have they they have the you know this moment where they're both in denial and then they both start to accept it. Then they're both sharing their you know issues with Marty, you know why they they you know he's a terrible human being basically, uh, and it is for the purposes of this episode in the comedic respect it is the perfect ending for the two of them to be like we're leaving you in our dust peace out and you know sam's left there standing by himself al gives us a nice wrap-up uh you know this is what happens to ellen and, and her kids this is what happens to rachel and her kids um and it's a good story uh i think marty gets off easy Marty ends up going on the lecture circuit to tell his story what? and makes money off of it. What the
0: fuck? What? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing... I mean, imagine if you're Marty leaping back into this situation. <laughs> you know? Is he relieved? Yeah. What's going on? I don't know. It's one of those everything is tied up and a nice pretty bow and then... Uh, the, the, and then... The, the, the quantum leap twist. The rug gets pulled out from the... third cigar. The third Yes, the third cigar. Rachel and Ellen leave, and we have the appearance of another family. Oh, boy. Oops.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think one of the things that gets me the most about the, the, the final button on the episode, if you will is that I know exactly what they were thinking when they did it, and I still think it was a horrible decision. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's unnecessary. It's so superfluous. And it's not funny. Like, to some people, maybe it's funny, but it continues that lowest common denominator bathroom humor kind of vibe that we've had the whole episode, the whole innuendo, the whole, it's schoolgirl night, it's chambermaid night, guess what's for dessert? Open the window... Oh, there's a third family. It's like the whole thing is just like fuck. Who, like, come on? Yeah. This is an intelligent, wonderful show. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. and this episode is, it, is not that just weird. Uh, one bit of one bit of a light
0: like comedy I did appreciate, and we jumped over it. Is I I did appreciate in the first half of the episode the scene between Sam and Al where they're talking over which one should they choose, and Sam is kind of like thinking through his process, and one needs more of the other, and then they both blurt out the opposites of what you think they should end up with, and Sam calling out loud, like, no, like, like Ellen, like, she's not your type, like, Rachel's more of the thing. I did appreciate, right, right. like, that like that
1: moment between, between the two characters. Yes.
0: Yeah. But then, yeah.
1: I, I, I agree. But
0: the end of this episode
1: yeah 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 however, we get an interesting leap out mm-hmm. uh, I you know I actually have um, in in my memory which is foggy uh, to say the least, um, I have a feeling I'm going to have good things to say mm-hmm. uh, next week about liberation um, the leap out is you know it, the, the funny thing is is that the leap out is really good up until the moment when like, Sam realizes he's holding a bra, throws it like it's a poisonous snake in the air, oh, yeah. and then says, "Oh boy, like somebody just like you, you know found a turd in the punch bowl." Yeah. To continue on with the theme of bathroom humor, yeah, um, like that. I'm I'm sort of like, come on, Sam. Like by now, come on.
0: Yeah. I I mean yeah, and that was just an awkward bit of comedy to
1: get the bra out of his hand and onto the fire. because you because from my you know from my opinion from my sense based on things that he's actually said and done prior to this you know to liberation which we'll talk way more about obviously but just talking about the leap out real quick like it doesn't ring true that that would be sam's reaction no like sam would realize right away where he was what was happening would probably look down and see what he has in his hand. Would I believe that the Boy Scout Sam would be like, oh, God, I'm holding a bra. Like, yes, I would believe that. Would I believe that he would then throw it in the air like it's, like, poisonous and then be, like, disgusted by the fact that he's leapt into this situation in a woman? No. I think that Sam would actually be kind of excited about this.
0: I think so, too.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. We'll get into that later. We're in later, and also,
0: I mean, to jump a couple episodes ahead, we're going to get into like an interesting thing: Uh, two episodes in a row, Sam leaping into a woman, which has never happened.
1: Right? Yeah. 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 Man, you know it's interesting because obviously, I think one of these episodes is better than the other, but uh, (laughs) um, we'll get there. Yeah. You know, look, we are I I just I I will comment on this more as we as we inch closer and closer, but I just have to say, here we are. We have 10 episodes left and we will have completed a journey mm-hmm. charting the televised adventures of Sam Beckett. Uh I have lots of feelings about that. I know
0: we will uh, have not taken as long as a series because we're over three
1: years into this. No, 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 not not. Uh, we're coming yeah. up on three years. It, yeah, it'll be three years in August. Yeah. yeah, which is funny because we're going to basically finish uh, at, at or around the time of our three-year anniversary yeah. as a podcast. So
0: yeah, three years. Uh, there will probably be on the whole, for as as, as talky talkative as we are, there's probably be there will be more hours. Of fate's wide wheel, the quantum leap podcast. Then there are actually of quantum leap. I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hey, hey, this is going to be a short one, though. Yeah, we're coming in only after you cut off, you know, the filler, whatever. we're coming in about like like an hour or five. Yeah, yeah. How about that? How about that? Well, anyway, I think. I think we've oh, summed boy. up our episode, our episode thoughts. But any other thoughts that you didn't get out?
1: I feel uh, you know, I, I, as I sit here after we've talked about the whole episode, I feel like I was maybe a little harsh on it, uh, and, and, and maybe a little a little harsh on uh, the actor playing Rachel. Um, but I still think that yeah, it's not going to place. Highly on my on my episode list or my rewatch list. I don't think um, I would have gone back and rewatched this if not for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I you know I, I have been having this thought recently about like when I do go to rewatch the show unrelated to the podcast, will you know how will my feelings change? Uh, will they change? Will I you know? It, it's it's interesting to have a, a new perspective on the show. Um, but yeah, I there's some really nice moments, and there's some moments that kind of help me to celebrate Dean Stockwell as as an actor as Al in in this show, and, and the relationship between you know Al and Sam and and their repartee. And there's some you know and again there's some good scenes, but I do think that overall it doesn't it just does it doesn't do it for me.
0: Important question though, this episode
1: or Portrait for Troyan? you do that to me (laughs) Uh, I thought you were going to say Machiko for a second ah man that's tough actually that's tough I think I would probably rewatch this episode before I (laughs) rewatch Troy
0: okay what about Machiko Which, which episode is the Ellen the Rachel and which episode is the third wife
1: I, I've, I've been feeling lately that I want to give Machiko another whirl, just because. Like, is it as bad as I think it is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think Tale of Two Sweeties might might warrant the, the rewatch over Machiko.
0: Ooh, oh, I think. I think that's harsh. I think you should give Machiko another shot.
1: Yeah, I probably should. I think I would still feel similarly though about how it's an episode that happens to Sam instead of Sam happening to the episode. That's fair. And I say this this one is a pretty good yeah. mix. Uh Sam was
0: happening to the episode as far as like figuring out the wives and then and then Vic and Gus came along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He still serves some some great agency though, especially as as as, as is as pertains to his decision about coming clean with the wives, and also into just taking the chance and making the bet on on um, low ball, low down, whatever. I can't remember the name of the horse now. Mm-hmm. Jesus, what's wrong with my mind today? Um, the forty to one shot. But anyway, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I have a feeling that I'm I'm going to have, um, you know, sort of the the senior. Eyes, the 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 graduation goggles mm-hmm. on for for the foreseeable future when it comes to Quantum Leap. But I'm going to look back, and my opinion will soften even on on the episodes I have derided before. Sure. Um, one thing that I will give both Machiko and Troyan is that they don't feel ordinary, whereas a lot of season four just felt so ordinary and so just, it was just there. Mm-hmm. And 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 at least those episodes didn't feel that way to the point where there are literally episodes in season four where I'm like scratching my head to remember like, wait, what was that one again? Sure, So, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Tale of Two Sweeties was
1: not boring. I don't know. <laughs> we'll give it that. It was not boring. Not run of the mill. And I think the other thing... I think the other thing about Tale of Two Sweeties, which is always the thing that frustrates me about art in general, um, is that I do see there there having been a lot of potential to the episode. Um, Had the idea that he was a bigamist not been connected to the mission, had it been more about this gambling debt that he had to clear because XYZ was going to happen, I think maybe I would have been a little bit more on board. I still could have thought Marty was a horrible person, but I would have cared a little bit more about Sam's mission. And I think it would have actually made the ending where he decides to come clean with the wives even more interesting because it wouldn't have been a part of the mission. Maybe like that to me is a better angle to get into this episode. And I think that there are certain moments that could have been a little bit crisper, a little bit cleaner dialogue could have been, you know, just trimmed up a little bit here and there. I think that there's a lot of potential to the episode, believe it or not. I just think that the execution from the script to the direction in certain places, um, didn't it didn't didn't work and the angle that they used to try to get into the episode didn't work for me so overall didn't it just didn't work yeah
0: I would agree with that I would agree but on that note next week or whenever we record next we'll be talking about liberation that's right that's what we got but yeah burning bras and yeah getting rights yeah (laughs) burning bras and getting rights (laughs) <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, if you have differing opinions, uh, hit us up on this on this post on, on social media. Let us know your thoughts. And we'll be back with you next week for liberation. Let's see Pat again.
1: Thanks, everyone. Take care in the meantime. All right.
0: Bye. Bye.